This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. down coming your way today on NASCAR America as the championship four visit Dale Jarrett in New York City. The four title contenders talk about how they plan to handle the pressure of racing for a title this Sunday in Miami and the past history that they've had with each other. Does any of that come into your mind at any point in time during this weekend? And why would you start with them? Is there something I'm missing? They've had a little bit of a history. Oh, okay. Isn't that, that's fair. I think probably every one of us has had a history with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, as much way. as we've raced together, you're going to have run-ins. Harvick wrecked me at Homestead last year on a straightaway. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Who are you looking at me? <laughs> you don't remember that? Homestead that last, last year on a straightaway. That last year. <laughs> See? How quickly they forget. Yeah. You always forget when you're on the receiving end. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Forget. <laughs> we always say drivers never forget, but maybe that's not always the case. Welcome into NASCAR America, everybody. Carol Lamano, Parker Kligerman with you, and also Steve Latart joining us from Charlotte. Steve, you look at those four, those championship four, how deserving are all of those drivers to be exactly where they are right now? Well, Carolyn, without a doubt, in this playoff format, you have to be deserving. Nothing comes lucky. But when you look at their numbers, I mean, these are four heavyweights. Three of the four have a championship. Together, they've won basically half the races this season. Well over almost all of the races in the playoffs have won eight out of nine, over 100 races total between the four of them. So I think we're getting ready to see a true heavyweight battle when it comes to Miami. And while the 78 has the best numbers at the mile and a half, I could really take, make an argument for all four of these drivers that have a chance to win the championship. And, Steve, kind of going off those sentiments, what's interesting to me is this was the year of the young driver. We had Kyle Larson go out there and be so successful. Young Ryan Blaney getting a win. We had Chase Elliott battling down to the final race there to be a part of the championship four. But yet these titans of the sport are not relinquishing that hold on the sport right now to those young drivers. And that means the veterans know how to play the mind games that are certainly beginning probably right as we speak. Those four are the only ones left on the playoff grid. They have survived nine weekends and just over 3,600 miles of racing. Martin Truex Jr. and Furniture Row Racing will go for their first Monster Energy Cup Series title on Sunday. How is the 78 team preparing for the biggest race of the year? Marty Snyder has the answers. Well, Carolyn, in terms of race shop preparation for the championship four, nobody has it more difficult than Martin Truex Jr. and the 78 team. We're here at Martin Truex Jr.'s personal shop in Mooresville, North Carolina, but obviously the race team is based in Denver, Colorado. Talking to Cole Pern today, he told me this is by far, whether you're in the championship four or not, the most difficult week of the year for the 78 team just because of how far they are from the racetrack. So what they did, they took several precautions to make sure that they were ready for this championship weekend. So several weeks ago, they asked NASCAR for the earliest inspection date they could possibly get for their championship car. 
NASCAR granted that, so they got the car back a little bit earlier than everybody else, but they still lose 24 hours of preparation on that car. So this past weekend, they took several team members, and they worked throughout the weekend. They worked 14-hour days, 12 of them on Saturday and on Sunday to get the car ready. And then today, everybody showed up at the shop at 5 a.m. The hauler has to be packed by 6 p.m. and on the road by 7 to make it to Miami in time. And that doesn't even count Monday when they had all hands on deck working 14 hours at the race shop. They left at 9.30 p.m. last night to get ready for the Miami weekend. So as you can tell, a very busy weekend for the 78 team because they lose those 24 hours. They're a little behind everybody else. But the one thing the 78 team does not lack is confidence. As Martin Trex Jr. told me after the race, I asked him, hey, are you guys the favorites going to Miami? He said, absolutely. Yeah, I remember that moment from the weekend. Some great details there from Marty Snyder. Steve, how important could those precautions that they took potentially be when you consider everything that needs to be done this week? Well, Carolyn, I think it would be a major story if this was a shift to normal uh, working week for the 78 team. But they race all year long out of Colorado. The majority of the races are on the East Coast. So I think Cole Pern has a pretty good plan of how to break up the week, how to prepare for the week. I mean, as a crew chief, I actually found that when the car finally loaded, I got the most preparation done because it wasn't the distraction. Uh, you know, these cars take more than a few long days to put together. There's been a tremendous amount of time and effort put into that car, I'm sure. So I have no doubt, even loading the truck a day early versus their competitors, that Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Pern and that 78 team, when it comes off the hauler at Miami, that car will be completely detailed, ready to go, ready to hit the track Friday for practice. Parker, you were at Phoenix, and Martin Truex Jr. told Marty that he's extremely confident. How much momentum do you think this team is bringing into the championship? Well, I think I agree with Martin Truex Jr.'s sentiments. They are the favorite. They have been the favorite throughout the playoffs. They continually have the numbers and the record to back it up. They've been the fastest car all season long. And with that, though, comes a little bit of pressure, knowing that you are the favorite. And another thing that pops up to me by why you would want to look at Martin Truex Jr. and say, you know what, if we're just not going to give him the championship right away, it's because we're going to Miami Homestead. And basically, this racetrack is a little bit different than the mile and a half he's been so successful at throughout this entire year. You have to run right up next to the wall. And that is something that Martin Truex Jr. has not always been the best at. He's been a bit of a bottom feeder. And Marty Snyder actually told me just the other day about talking to Cole Pern and asking about, has Martin gotten better at running the wall? Has he gotten better at moving up the racetrack? And they feel like he has. And that's part of why they went and tested there, was that to get him more comfortable running up next to the wall, getting speed out of the race car up next to the wall. And so that, to me, is the one thing that would take away from the 78 being the favorite. But I continually, when I look at the numbers, when I look at the stats, the figures, you have to think this is the car to beat. Steve? Well, they're the car to beat, but does that mean they have the most pressure? And I feel that it does. I think when you look at the four championship contenders, uh, the only one that will look at leaving Miami without a championship trophy as a disappointment is Martin Trex Jr. And that's really what I question with this team. I think Cole Pern is more than crew chief enough. Martin Trix Jr. is more than driver enough. And they do have the setup, it seems, at these one-and-a-half-mile tracks. But we have to remember, there's been some races, even this year, look back in the last year, where they had the best car and couldn't close the deal. This is a one-race deal. This isn't an average. This isn't leading laps. There are no stage points. This is a 400-mile event on a track, as you pointed out, Parker, where the groove moves right up to the fence, where, by the way, there are 39 other cars out there, out there as well. It's just not these championship four. So pressure and emotion are what makes sports great. And while Martin Trex Jr. is the favorite, can they work through the pressure and the emotion to prove why they are their favorite and once again win the race? 
Well, second Toyota driver in the championship four is Kyle Busch. He and the 18 team looking for their second title in three seasons. A report on how things are shaping up. Dave Burns has it. Let's take a listen. So what about the competition side for Kyle Busch? Well, here's where they stand. After winning at Martinsville and getting themselves to the championship four, they've had two races to sort of think about Miami. In fact, crew chief Adam Stevens told me that was strange for them. The last couple of years, they've had to fight their way in at Phoenix, but that wasn't the case. And then, in fact, they had problems at Texas, and they had a subpar day at Phoenix, which Kyle described afterward as yuck. But one thing Adam did say to me was that they were looking for a little bit of momentum. And after the seventh place finish, I figured they might not feel like they were there. Kyle was on a separate page entirely. And when I suggested to him that they hadn't found any momentum at the One Mile Phoenix track, he said, hey, we started eighth, we finished seventh. I think that's a little momentum. So for Kyle right now, the glass is half full. He certainly got his attitude headed in the right direction. I would say that's up, even as his car heads south to Florida for the championship race. Dave, thank you. So while we continue the conversation about momentum, as it relates to Kyle Busch, you know, not that long ago, right before Phoenix, he told Marty Snyder that he could be described as an underdog in this championship for, we mentioned the mind games. I think Dale Jarrett on the show is very quick to point out that that is not the case. But is there a little something to that? Well, I, I, I disagree. I don't think they're an underdog at all. I, I really think he's in a Toyota. They've been very fast this year. You know, the only thing I could say about this race team, and Steve kind of alluded to it there, talking about Martin Shrix Jr. in that 78 team, is that they have had races that were misses. You know, you think back to Charlotte, to Texas, even Kansas earlier this year was kind of missed when they got caught out on pit road. So I think there's it's those little misses that kind of seep in your brain and make you think, you know, maybe we're a bit hit or miss as we go into this single race. We have to be perfect. We have to perform. And so it doesn't allow any room for error. And so I think on pure speed, he's as good as the 78, no doubt in my mind. He's, if you were to rank the top four cars, I think the 78 and the 18 are probably the fastest cars, right? But then it comes down to execution, and that's where I think this 18 team could feel a little bit worried. But at the same time, I, I don't think that he is an underdog by any means. Like he's had a great playoff run. I think this car has just really shown that they are able to, when they're on their, when they're on their game at their 10 tenths, they're really hard to beat. Well, Parker, I go back to the decision that Adam Stevens and Joe Gibbs Racing made at the start of the playoffs, and that was we are going to swap pit crews. We're going to take the pit crew from the 19 of Daniel Suarez. We're going to move it over to the 18 of Kyle Busch. And that was very quickly questioned when they had issues in race one of the playoffs. But since then, I think that's the secret weapon for the 18 of Kyle Busch. I do agree with you that these two guys are the heavyweight favorites. They have the most speed. But I think when it comes to pit road, comes to execution, which is what you mentioned, the 18 has an advantage. Now it's right on the ragged edge. Will they have a loose wheel? Perhaps. But that's how they race. That's how Kyle Busch drives. That's how Adam Stevens called the races. They are gamblers. They are not one to stay the course. They're one to be aggressive on pit stops, aggressive on strategy, aggressive on restarts. I think Kyle Busch has finally got that mentality lined up throughout his entire team. So I look at pit road and pit stops to be the, the secret weapon for the 18 of Kyle Busch. That is such a great point because we haven't really talked about that since we originally called them out. And when you're not talking about the pit crew, sometimes that's a good thing, especially in this situation. Very good More thing. to come today, including DJ's two-part sit-down with the championship four as they get set for Sunday's title finale. And if that weren't good enough, we are scanning the radios for what you may have missed at Phoenix where a legend took what may be his final bow. And Phoenix also produced one of our top moments of this season, presented by Coca-Cola. Well, 
First off, forget the history of these two. Just a few weeks ago at Martinsville, Danny Hamlin made contact with the 24, wrecking him in the closing laps. Here they are battling a couple weeks later. Oh, into the wall goes the 11. The 24. Pinch the 11 into the wall. It's part of racing. It's, you know, I got into him. He chose to retaliate. And the 11 goes into the wall. That could be the championship hopes going up in smoke for Denny Hamlin. We did essentially our job all day long. Uh, we put ourselves in a good position. Uh, things just didn't work out there at the end. Welcome back. NASCAR championships in both the Xfinity and Cup Series are decided this weekend live in Miami. Saturday, the Xfinity Series getting things going at 3 Eastern here on NBCSN. And 24 hours later on NBC, the final four drivers racing for the Cup Series championship. Entering last Sunday, the focus was on the five playoff drivers going after the last spot in the championship four. But in the end, Matt Kenseth stole the show in what could be the final exclamation point on a Hall of Fame career. Let's look back on that now as we scan off Phoenix. A beautiful day here in the Arizona desert. Everyone realizing how important this race is, particularly for those five drivers trying to make the championship four. All right, good time here. No, we got to do. Let's go do it all day long. All we got, boys. Stay focused all day. Execute best we can. Definitely got our game six moment today. Let's go win this thing. Everybody stepping up at the right time. Get where we want to get here. All right, boys and girls. One goal. One goal only today. BK, just a good steady day here. Yes, sir. Thank you, RP. Try our best to make it proud. One spot available. Five drivers fighting for it. Green flags in the air in Phoenix. The driver out front, Denny Hamlin, over a groove higher than what everyone else has been running. All these other guys have moved up the track. Why, why haven't you moved up any? I moved up and slowed down two tenths, so I came back down. We're three tenths slower than up. We could not go that slow. We've got to figure out how to pass those guys faster. Looks like it might be a swing and a miss for the two team. I, mean, I don't really know what to ask for, Paul. I need everything. No, I'm trying to survive here. I don't really have any ideas. Denny Hamlin is out in front of the field, looking to make it into the championship four. I got a lot of grip on the exit. Almost too much. He might have too much grip, but he's driving away from the field right now. Just her now. Just her. She's had her hands full and all over the place. Who's that? Trying to set her loose off. I mean, just play for the yellow. Good boy. How much we can do now? I mean... Yeah, she feels bad with the 32 passes me. Ah, uh, who cares? Disgrace. I mean, just throw the thing in the garbage. And it looks like more problems for the 42 of Kyle Larson. I'm blowing up. Blowing up. Awesome. I just take it to the garage, bud. We're in the fence, fellas. Oh, good. Higher. 10-4. Hold on there. I got my sub coming. Is it junk? Oh, yeah. A blown tire ends his quest to get that eighth championship. What the hell is that burnt? Hell's on fire. I think it's a safer barrier styrofoam block that's on fire. Oh my god, the world's on fire over here too. Two spots. The world is going on. Yeah, it's rather strange, isn't it? Looks like there's some debris, some sort of rotor probably that broke off the 37 car flew into the uh, safer barrier and got the foam on fire. It's been a dominating day for Denny Hamlin, by far leading more laps than anybody. You know, our biggest concern was how are we going to get by the 11 car? Um, we could match him on lap time and we could close in on him a little bit, uh, you know, through traffic, but I didn't feel like we had 
enough speed to go up there and pass him. Kenny Hamlin, he's going to lose in the lead. Looks like Matt Kenseth's going to beat him out. My guys have just been on fire lately to beat Denny out of the pits, uh, which Denny's had the best team on pit road for years and years and years. And uh, they got me out of, out of the pits in first. And uh, it was my job to try to try to keep the lead. Kenseth with a great restart. Stays out front. Chase Elliott puts the bumper to the back of the 11. Make correct, Denny. Focus forward, he does not matter. Two and a half. Bumper goes to the back of the 11 again. Oh, into the wall goes the 11. That was pretty entertaining to watch. To be honest with you. Good pull. Probably not over yet. Oh, he just blew a tire. And there went the tire. The 11 goes into the wall. That was courtesy of the 24 right there. What the hell? How he hit the wall? Well, the 24 passed him and shoved him in the wall, and then he got a tire rub, and then it blew. Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, he did it pretty gracefully, but karma, you know. Yeah, I'd say. Championship hopes gone for Denny Hamlin. Well, now who's in the chase? It's going to be the two now, unless Chase wins. Elliott knows his opportunity to stay in the championship hunt is to win this race going by the 20. I definitely had that feeling of dread um, when he passed me, thinking it was going to be over because it's hard to run people down. It's hard to pass people these days. Chase Elliott is now 19 laps away from his first win. Doing good. Pace is good. Nice and smooth. He slipped a few times, looked like he was getting loose off the corner. Matt Kenseth has run him down that last corner off turn two. And more at the line. Track bar out, rear brake, whatever you can do. We're fighting for our lives here. Stay with it. Here comes to the inside, the 20 of Kenseth. Classic Matt Kenseth. What most people in the sport will remember about Matt Kenseth is he'll just kind of stalk you, you know, and then close the deal, and, and that's what we saw today. Matt Kenseth in front now at Phoenix. Oh, my goodness. What's the point situation? 20 cars leading. I need you to finish. Kenseth's going to win at Phoenix. Get that second flag. Welcome back, champ. There you go. Yeah, baby! Woo! Guys, you guys are going to see the biggest drive baby you've ever seen. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I mean, that's just storybook. Uh, that's all I had, buddy. I don't know. I'll get it right one day for y'all. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. You did a hell of a job. I think we ever achieved with that second, so we put ourselves in this position, man. Be proud of it. Good job, Brad. Way to hang in there. Told you it wasn't over. Lots can happen. Everyone did a great job getting to where we're at. Proud of that. We'll go have some fun next week. It's been a long time since I won a race. Um, but I've always said the feeling you get when you win a cup race, it's unlike any other feeling that I've ever had or that you can experience. And um, I can never really put it into words, to be honest with you, and I still can't. So uh, it's obviously emotional, special day. I don't know what to say except for uh, thank the Lord. That's uh, better. Been an amazing journey. Um, I know I'm a big baby right now, but uh, just got one race left. Um, and everybody dreams of going out a winner, so uh, you know we won today. Nobody can take that one away from us. It's a heck of a race with Chase there. Um, golly, just thanks uh, JGR for a great five years. It's been uh, quite the journey here the last 20, and thank you, fans. I appreciate it. Our scandals have been some of the best things we've done here on NASCAR America. They take us so much further inside, Steve, of things we may have missed over the course of the weekend. Was there anything that stood out to you there that you didn't originally catch on Sunday? Well, it just reminded me about how special that moment was for Matt Kenseth, a guy that's normally so stoic and quiet in interviews and really all year long kind of played down the situation of not having a ride next year, kind of leaving it open-ended but never really committing to it. Just a, a week ago, he finally let Nate Ryan know that I don't have a ride for 2018. I thought it was only fitting for a guy that is respected so much in the garage area by me, by his peers, by everyone, without a doubt a future Hall of Famer in my mind, 
to win a race. And for the guy that you've never seen have emotion be full of emotion, I thought that was a really special moment. In all of the playoff chaos, I think we forgot about Matt Kenseth, and he reminded us in Phoenix not to forget about him. Yeah. Agreed, Steve. And I have to say, you know, it's just more proof that he really deserved a chance to go out in his own terms. It's unfortunate how things have worked out for Matt Kenseth. And I was standing in that pit box as he came across the lane, feeling the emotion from the team and listening to the scanner. And I can't help but get emotional myself just watching that, knowing how long I've watched him in this sport, going from being a rookie to eventually being a champion to eventually find himself winning one of his last races. Just incredible. Yeah, well, now he finds himself in what's going to be likely his send-off this Sunday. Sunday, and he's actually going to go back to the beginning. This is pretty great. Earlier today, Joe Gibbs Racing announced that Kansas is going to drive a throwback DeWalt Tools paint scheme based on the one from his rookie season in 2000. Coming up, what is on the minds of the championship four before Sunday's finale in South Florida? We will find out in part one of their sit-down with Dale Jarrett. That's next, right here on NASCAR America. anniversary of when our Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett clinched the 1999 Cup Series championship and Sunday at Miami three other champions and this season's fastest driver are going to lay it all out there for the title. Earlier today the last playoff driver standing met with DJ for a candid conversation about this year's playoffs. Guys thanks for joining us today. Uh, a little fun here before you get down to business so uh uh, appreciate you all being here. Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, our championship four. Kind of what you all had envisioned as you started 2017 to be in this position, but it's been a long road to get here. Is there more pressure involved with our playoff system uh, this day and time? I think there, there is for sure with the eliminations and, and it coming down to four of us racing for, you know, all the marbles in just one race. I mean, that's just crazy to think about. Plus, we got 39 others out there to race against, yeah. you know, each one of us do. So it's a, it's a difficult situation. And, and in my opinion, it's got to be the toughest championship to win in all of sports. I agree with Martin. I mean, I think it's just uh, pressure packed and all through each round of the playoff system. And then, of course, you know, you have a couple bad weeks and you're, you're worried about going to the next race and whether or not you're even going to be able to transfer for through and then you do get that transfer through you have a clean slate but then you still got to do it all over again you know and you get to that final race like martin mentioned and it's it's winner take all you know whoever finishes ahead of the rest is is the champion so these are this is a hard group of guys to beat and uh some of the best brad you haven't been in this position with this uh playoff uh, the way that this is before any difference in, in seeing and now being a part of it yeah i think probably the biggest difference to me dale is that uh the slate keeps kind of evening out you know if you look at it before it used to be 20 five races you'd have Richmond and you needed to win to advance still had that this year uh, for a number of teams but before that with the previous format that I won and you had to have 10 great weeks now really you just have to have four great races and Homestead is really one of the key ones to have as a a strong race to win the championship in fact it's probably the most important so I I think I look at there's a little bit more pressure there's also a lot more opportunity Uh, for us really all of us you know without this format Martin would have already won the championship last week so uh, we still have the opportunity yeah. now. <laughs> Can we just change it back? Like that idea? <laughs> yeah. Kevin, a lot of people say this format kind of suits your style and the way that you go about things. 
Well, you know, I, I think for, for us, I think that the unique part is having been here before, and, and I think um, obviously Homestead being a, a really good track for us, but it's a unique week. You know, I think with with the things that, that lead up to the race and all the things that you have to manage and all the things that you have to deal with and kind of that do-or-die uh, race on, on Sunday is, is definitely a different um, approach than, than probably what you've taken all year because you have so many other things to deal with. You have so many things, so many people that are there, and it's, it's that, that it's that Super Bowl moment, and uh, dealing with those uh, types of scenarios are different than the pressure that you deal with all year. Uh, the hardest part is done. Um, you know, getting to Homestead, in my, in my opinion, is the hardest part because you have to have everything go right. Um, you know, for all 35 weeks uh, leading up to the to the to the 36th race of the year, mm-hmm. and, and then it's a, a winner-take-all format. But it's a it's a difficult week, uh, a lot of pressure, a lot of things that, that you have going on, and and you have to manage that well. You, you kind of, Kevin. I'll let you answer this first. You kind of led me to my next question, which is, for 35 weeks, you think about beating 39 other drivers uh, and winning the race. This weekend's totally different. All you have to focus on, basically, I say all you have to focus on, it's probably going to take winning the race because that's what it's taken in the previous three weeks. But all you have to do is beat the other three competitors. Yeah, and, and for 35, for those 35 weeks, they mean nothing. You know, no matter how good you've run, how bad you've run, what types of race racetracks you've run well, you run good at this particular racetrack. You've earned the right to do that, and, and you've earned the right to be here. And now you have to run good at this one particular event. So, you know, you think back to the 35 weeks all year, uh, you've had that one week that you're off, or the one week where something went wrong, or the one re- week that that it didn't work out. That happens this week, and, and your your championship hopes are over. Brad, does that let you look at things differently, or just go business as normal? Absolutely. I think uh, both of you hit on great points, Dale and Kevin, that you know, the, with this format, uh, the opportunity never goes away. And to Kevin's point, really the 35-some weeks leading up to this are, are a little bit of a Beastie Boys fight for your right, you know, trying to just have your, your opportunity. Uh, but then when you do get here, to your point, Dale, you're really only racing three other race car drivers, and that's your opportunity to win the championship is to beat those three, where most of the season, of course, you want to beat everyone. Yeah. Kyle, this is your third straight year in this, uh, in the championship four, so uh, do you focus on that or is it still just about getting your car to be the best and hey if I go win all's taken care of yeah I mean we've been in this situation uh, two years in a row and having a great opportunity to win the championship in 2015 there was nothing like that you know so I remember that feeling and and how you want to be able to exit the weekend being on top of the world and then you go 2016 and you're close and you're right there and then you don't get it you you feel empty-handed when you walk out of there so um, having those two experiences back-to-back you certainly feel like you want to what you want to do when you get there but fact of the matter is you got to be able to execute and these are some pretty tough teams that we got to race against and tough drivers that know how to get the get the job done martin do you have any different mindset thinking about this weekend sunday's race yeah not really you know i mean i remember back 2015 we we made it to the final four and um you know we were kind of an underdog our group our group was we were just really getting started and uh i feel like we we left there like uh, it was just a lost opportunity you know we didn't take advantage of the opportunity and ever since that day we've been working to get back there to get another chance so I think we're ready for it I think we have the right mindset I think for us I think honestly we just really need to just do what we've done all year we literally went to every race and said we've got to win this race this is like Homestead so I think if we could just continue what we've done um, you know figure out this track a little bit better than we have in the past We'll be in good shape, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm not really feeling the pressure. I think it's uh, I'm more excited about the opportunity to go get this done. You know, a lot of people are saying this is the best championship four they've seen in, in the few short years that we've had this format. Three of you 
have uh, cup championships at the elite level. And speaking of the cup series, throughout all the years, there's only 15 drivers that have multiple championships. There's a lot of us that won, uh, and so that's a great feeling. But you three guys have a chance to set yourself apart. Could that be extra motivation, or do you need any more motivation, Kyle? <laughs> I don't think you need any more motivation. You know, I think just the, the greater satisfaction of being able to win a championship uh, each and every single season that you set your sights on, that's that's what you're going out there to do. Every year we all talk about how, you know, the, the focus of the end of the season is getting to Homestead. You know, it doesn't matter whether you haven't won a championship yet at this level or whether you've won one or whether you're Jimmy Johnson, who's who's now won seven. You know, it's just fact of the matter is, is once you get there, you know you want to execute and get it done. Brad, yours done a different format. Uh, does that make any difference as you look at this weekend? Uh, I think it would mean more to me to win another one because it's in another format to, to have kind of both sides of it. But I, I think, Dale, in general, and you know this best as a champion yourself, that uh, championships are about legacies. Uh, you know, the three of us here have a chance to join that club of 15 who have won multiple championships in NASCAR. And you think about that over the course of the sport, uh, 60-some years, only 15 drivers have won multiple championships. That's quite a, a club to be in. And, of course, Martin has a chance to add to his own legacy and, and be one of the 30-some champions that there are in the sport. So uh, I think it's an interesting you know, position to be in, and uh, it, it's one that we all want to make the most of. I'm extremely motivated just because of the fact that I feel like you know it's another opportunity to win a championship but the motivation for for me to win a championship and and the reason that I feel that motivation as probably as much if not more than, than winning that first one was just is just the fact of, of Ford uh, coming on board and the people at SHR you know they've done a great job of basically transforming a company um, from one manufacturer to another and it's taken us all year uh, to, to get to this particular point and, and you know I don't know that any of us would said you know we're going to be sitting at homestead with an opportunity to to win a championship with everything that we've had going on so for those guys to do that i feel like you know we have the best team to to go out and and do what we have to do on the racetrack because of what they've done this year i think everybody's extremely confident in in the parts and pieces that they put together through this point and and every week it seems like we've we've gotten better and i think we've peaked at the right time so that motivation in itself for the company and for Ford Motor Company um, makes me want to go out and finish this deal off. So that, that that's exciting to me. Martin, you're that driver trying to get that first one, but you've set a record for most wins on mile and a half tracks this year uh, through all the years of NASCAR. Could it set up any better for you than being on another mile and a half? Well, Homestead's a completely different mile and a half than anywhere else we go, but I, I do like it. I mean, I, I think um, we haven't particularly performed really well at that place the last couple of years, but I feel really good this year going in. We had a good test there, and you know, based on your numbers, the odds are in my favor. So <laughs> hopefully, uh, I don't like those numbers. <laughs> these, these guys, Just don't look at the average finish. These guys, I would think the odds are in my favor. <laughs> there we go. They all have one, so it's my turn, right? I, well, <laughs> uh, you would have to think that might yeah, be the case. I mean, yeah, certainly. Sounds okay. good to me. Yeah. And those four drivers just getting started in their visit to New York City, all four of them are going to be a part of the Tonight Show later on this evening, so that'll be great. And our conversation gets even better from here, especially when the Championship Four detail exactly what they are willing to do to each other, if necessary, to win the Cup at Miami. And six years after his father's lone win in the Daytona 500, Dale Earnhardt Jr. conquered the sport's most iconic race. We're going to relive that day in the latest edition of Dale Jr.'s Greatest Eight Moments. That's next.
Welcome back, everybody. Sunday's race marks the end of Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s career as a full-time Cup Series driver. And you can't reflect on the career of the sport's most popular driver without mentioning Jr.'s two Daytona 500 wins. He has chosen the eight greatest moments of his career for us. And today, he takes us back to his first victory in the Great American Race in 2004. Dale Earnhardt Jr. wins the 46th Daytona 500. His first victory in the 500 in his fifth try. Just get out and acknowledge these fans. They love you. And the same victory lane where six years ago today, his father celebrated a win in the Great American Race. Good God. I'm Daytona 500 champion. I can't believe it. It's the greatest ever. And Steve, you would win the Daytona 500 with Junior 10 years after that moment. But what stuck with you from his win in 2004? I know you were working for somebody else at the time. <laughs> Him not winning, of course. Yeah, well, that's what stuck out the most was not winning that day. But I think what stuck out, it was just a matter of time before he won a Daytona 500. He was so dominant on the restrictor plate tracks. And that continued through his whole career. And that day... You could just tell, and it wasn't even that day, it was that speed weeks. From when that eight car came off the truck earlier that week before qualifying through the what was then the 125s and through the 500, that car just had pace, and he just looked like the Pied Piper, which is, he'd be known for on those restricted plate tracks, controlling the pack, controlling the draft. And uh, I guess it's surprising they only won two. It tells you how tough that race is to win. And, Steve, not to make you feel old, but I would have been 13 years old when he won that race, just to put it out that there. That was but, designed uh, to make you feel exactly. old. Exactly. But I'll say this. I remember it like it was yesterday because of the impact it had. You know, as Steve went into, he was so good on the restricted plate races, and then he went and won the biggest race that we have that really started to cement his own legacy. And remember, it propelled him into probably what was his most successful season of all time, coming so close to winning the championship that year. Parker's on his way to Miami, Steve, so when you two meet you can uh you can go ahead and follow up yeah you can go ahead and follow up on the age swipe you're not even that old um all right coming up it is back to new york city for part two of dale Beard's conversation with this year's championship four including which driver they all might be rooting for and earlier today the first big title prediction was made in miami by a vulture who got the nod from peanut the vulture i know you can't wait to know and we're going to tell you when we come back Starting this past July at Daytona, we have recognized the sport's best crew members each week as nominees for our NBC Pit Crew All-Stars. And tomorrow, right here on NASCAR America, Steve, I know you know this, the All-Star team is going to finally be revealed. And the genesis of all this, Steve, really started with you because you knew how hard these pit crew members were working and what phenomenal stories so many of them have. And now we finally get to see the best of the best be chosen right here. And that was the entire point of this initiative, to focus on the men and the women that make these teams so special, whether it's uh, Kenyatta Houston, the tire changer from the one car from the Bronx, New York's, or, or maybe a tire specialist who's raised in the sport, grew up in the sport. It's all about performance, but not just performance. It's about perseverance. Everyone has a story. We have so many veterans that are in the garage area that we've, we've told their story, or even their peers. You know, what do their peers think about them? What have they done in their own community? So 
Tomorrow on this show, we will give the finals. As you mentioned, we had a little over 60 nominees. Now we're going to have a great group of finalists. And then down in Miami, we're going to present them all with an award. We're going to give them all a helmet. I mean, it's racing, right? You have to get a helmet (laughs) that they can put on their uh, trophy case that they've been nominated. And they're now a finalist for the NBC All-Star Pit Crew. That's fantastic. I cannot wait to see who we're going to pick. And it's just been such an honor to show you the stories of so many of those nominees. And we're finally going to get down to the final nine, ten or so. So we'll bring you that tomorrow on NASCAR America. You mentioned the Bronx, Steve. Coming up next, we are headed back to New York City. Dale Jarrett was with the Championship Four earlier today. Things definitely got interesting when they were asked how far they would go to win the race in Miami. You might be surprised. That's next. All right, pay attention, everybody, because this Sunday, right here, you can get Inside the Race with Hot Pass. It's co-hosted by Lee Diffie and Dale Jarrett, and those two are going to follow the four title contenders with in-car cameras, team radio, up-to-the-minute stats. This is really a must-watch for a real fan. That is Sunday at 3 Eastern, so make sure you're clicking over back and forth and checking with Hot Pass. Let's hear now from the four championship drivers who were in New York City all day, and they're with our Hall of Famer, Dale Jarrett. Who would the drivers pick to win the championship if they don't have the good fortune of earning the title themselves on Sunday? DJ hitting these guys with the tough questions. So we've seen throughout these playoffs, you know, and especially I'll bring up, you know, and you know, guys, you know this had to become, but Martinsville, the, the actions that went on there, uh, the things that happened uh, at Phoenix to follow that. Uh, Brad, you and Kyle have had some differences along the way. I think probably all of you have said some things, maybe not necessarily to in and about each other, but does any of that factor in? I'll, I'll start with you too, Kyle and Brad. Does any of that come into your mind at any point in time during this weekend? Now, why would you start with them? Is there well, something I'm missing? They've had a little bit of a history. Oh, okay. Isn't that, that's I fair. Think probably every one of us has had a history with each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as way. much as we've raced together, you're going to have run-ins. Harvick wrecked me at Homestead last year on a straightaway. Oh, yeah. Remember that? <laughs> Who are you looking at me? You don't remember that? Homestead that last, last year? year on the straightaway. Was that last year? <laughs> last year, see? How quickly they forget. Right? You always forget when you're on the receiving end. Yes. They didn't forget. <laughs> so so I'll, I'll take that at that, you two, that, I mean, you know, it, what's it going to come down? What is crossing the line? At Homestead, between you four drivers, uh, and you're racing at the end of the race, in your opinion, we saw what happened at Martinsville, again, what happened at Phoenix. What's, what's going to be crossing the line for, for one of the other drivers to really get uh, under your skin? I mean, I'll, I'll just answer it like this. I think in my, in my personal taste, in my opinion, I don't try to go out there and, and dirty race anybody or wreck somebody in order to go for a win. But, um, you know, this is, this is a rare circumstance, and, and we got to do what we need to do for our team. But in all instances, that racetrack's pretty wide, so there should be opportunity to be able to race each other like with class and like champions and uh, to be able to go out there and have a good strong run and, and a good good finish for the fans and an exciting one at that matter. And I think when you I think when you you know you look at the last two weeks, I mean that, that took those guys totally out of yeah. out of championship contention. So, you know, that that's where you don't want to be right now. You don't want to have somebody that's just looking for you on the racetrack, and you don't want to have the circumstance of, of you know, like the 11 and 24 we're in. You know, I think you, you want to go out and, and race hard and, and try to earn it the right way. But Drivers have, for some reason, have these long memories. I noticed that, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and you, don't, you don't want to add to that memory of another driver for years to come. 
there's enough motivation there and, and things to worry about without all of that distraction. Yeah. Hey, so you're all pretty involved social media-wise and things. So where do you draw the line as to what you look at? Because, I mean, it's always fun to look at the people that are on your side, but when you see the negative things that are out there, do you, do you let that bother you at all? Do you just go over that, Kevin? I know you now have a radio show that, that kind of gets you closer to the fans. Uh, but I'm sure that maybe not all over. Maybe you monitor the calls and only the good ones that get to come in there. Well, you know, I probably get most negative, so if we have a Kyle moment uh, Kyle moment during the weekend, we have way more callers yeah. than, than, than what we do on a non-Kyle moment. I can promise you that. So you're but, saying I'm popular. Uh, do I want an no, award for that? I, 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 wouldn't, I, would, I would say that it's you popular. aggravate them it's more popular. than anything. Yeah. Yeah. But it's... Um, you know, for, for me, I've, I've basically turned my social media pretty much off over the last 10 weeks because it's just, there's enough to focus on. I, I, I'm not really into uh, paying attention to what other people think anyway, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a definite balance between what you do and what you don't do. There's a lot of uh, management of your schedule and time and, and things leading up to it. So you try to put yourself in the best position that you can to be mentally ready. Yeah, well, I know the fans appreciate what you do. So here's the final question. We're getting down to the end of this thing here. So uh, I know it's really not in a driver's makeup. I've been there. It's hard to pull for someone else or to even think about someone else possibly winning besides yourself. But here's my question, and it only has two answers. <laughs> if you can't win the championship, oh, man. who would you like to see win? Of the other, so I get two. Pick, there's two you get th there's a possibility of two answers. So you're going to pick either one, one of these three yourself, or you could care less. That's your two answers. <laughs> two possibilities of an answer. Martin. Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that commercial. I mean, you talk about on the hot seat. I really don't care. Okay. It's good. Yeah. We know. Huh? Uh, if I had if I had to pick, I would choose uh, my buddy Martin over here, being the Toyota compadre that he is, and bringing home Toyota another championship. Okay. Well, I was going to pick the Ford contingent, so I got you covered, Kevin. All right, I got you covered. You know, I I I mean, I think we both know how much Ford has put into trying to get back to that point. So it's important to to try to get him to victory lane. Is it fair to say though that you really, it it doesn't. You really don't care, does it? I mean, yeah. That's just, but you have to have that mindset as a competitor to I get think, there. Yeah, I mean, I think for sure you have to, but I, I, I can't tell you how much I respect these guys yeah. at the same time. Sure. So you yeah. don't really want to choose sides. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it kind of puts us in a tough spot. But I have a ton of respect for all these guys, and uh, they're definitely amazing. Okay, so there there has been already a winner pick for this down at Zoo Miami today and oh. had a vulture to do it. You guys <laughs> a, vulture. a vulture. A vulture? Yes. That's about yes. what it takes. Okay, here we go. You can see the video right here. So any idea who he may go to here? Whoever's got food. <laughs> 18 and a four. Kyle Bush. 18 that was the pick. There's the order so far. He's just looking for food. He don't really care. <laughs> okay, so that's where it starts. Guys, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you starting your week out that and, and talking. He is my new family pet. <laughs> we'll remember that. Yeah. All right. Have a great what weekend and good luck to all for you. That's right. Our <laughs> pleasure. Thank you. Thanks a lot, guys. You Thank you. Vulture definitely an interesting pick from the zoo. Maybe it was picking the finishing order or something like that. Kyle's got a vulture aside. What can I say to that? Food in front of a vulture seat is probably going to go for every single driver. But on a more serious note, you have talked the last couple weeks about the unwritten rules of this sport being rewritten because of this new playoff format. And DJ asking these drivers what they're going to do, what crosses the line. Now that the slate has been wiped completely clean, is there anything off limits for all of these drivers who are desperately seeking another title? 
Well, I think that contact making a pass is totally acceptable, but they want to see a pass attempted to be made. And I think that's really what we're talking about is no one comes to see only wrecking. You want to see racing. And now if the racing ends up in a wreck, that's fine. Uh, but at Miami, if it's a uh, you know a newer tire situation, there's multiple grooves. But if it's late into a run, there's only one way to go around a person, and that is to slide job them going in because they're going to hold the top of the racetrack. Um, what I'd look at, though, are four cordial competitors on a Tuesday. I'm going to wait until Friday morning when they roll on the track for practice. <laughs> I think they're all very uh, polished. They're all very professional. I know how to handle all the questions. I can't wait till the helmets go on. Because, Parker, it's something about drivers when that strap hits you right here it shuts the blood off to some part just of the cuts brain it all off right and they become completely completely different people yeah they just totally twist inside that helmet but you know what i'm thinking i'm surprised we didn't get the old famous quote of was from tony stewart where he said he'd wreck his mother to win a championship yeah. so you know I, i've won a championship so bad i wrecked myself actually one time at phoenix in 2012 so i, I think you know that's the thing is that it, it is a championship in front of you it's a winner take all format and I think, as, as Steve just said, you know, there is a respect amongst those drivers. Obviously, all of them have been very successful at the top level of this sport. But it, it becomes that unwritten rule really comes down to racing versus wrecking. And, you know, it's one thing to rub a guy and bump a guy and that sort of thing because we have fenders on these race cars. But it's another to just blatantly wreck someone. And I think none of them want to blatantly wreck someone for a win. But there's no stopping a driver from at least using that bumper because that's why we have them. You know, Steve, just listening to Kevin Harvick say he's turning all the social media way, way down. You've got three champions in this mix, and Martin Truex Jr., who has been so consistent and so focused all season long. How important is it that all of them try to put the hysteria of championship week aside and focus in on just getting this done? Well, I think it comes down to routines. Some drivers are better off stuck in their routine, and that might involve social media. That might involve the media, you know. I think the biggest thing is you just don't want a major change to what your normal preparation is. I think that goes for the crew chief, for the pit crews, for everyone, because while we're focusing on these four drivers, the truth is we've seen championships lost on pit road, on pit calls, on restarts. You know, this championship perhaps can only be won by going to victory lane, but Parker, the list of ways you can lose a championship in Miami, it's a mile long. It's absolutely massive. And I think one thing I took from that piece there of DJ, how mysteriously quiet Brad Kozlowski was during that time there. I, I, you know, that started in the mental games a little bit. I saw Kevin try to throw that jab in there about those two having a history between Brad and Kyle. So, you know, it starts, although it's Tuesday and you said it's relaxed now and the helmets, when those go on, everything changes. I just think we're starting to see it already as the week leads up. Some of those facial expressions were so priceless. Just all the guys listening to what they were saying. All right, Steve, we will see you in just a little bit. That'll do it for us. We're back again tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget our pit crew, all-star finalists are going to be announced and we're continuing to visit the race shops as we get set for the championship showdown Sunday in Miami. Thanks so much for watching. We will see you tomorrow. Don't miss it. We'll be there. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard. The perfecter of the patio and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.